this morning and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I was asked the other day, how long are we going to be in this? How many, ser- how many sermons are there on, on the Sermon on the Mount? Seems like we've been in there forever. Yeah, we still got another chapter and a half to go. <laughs> I told Gretchen, quit numbering them because that gets people, it got her all upset. <laughs> Man, this is the 10th message. And yeah, I understand. But if you know, it's all, we're all going through this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and Therefore, if therefore thine eye be single, thy, body, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about this two-master concept. When the Bible talks about servants, when you see Jesus talking about servants in, in, the, uh, in the Gospels, and, and you read about servants in uh, uh, the New Testament, most times they are talking about slaves. We don't normally think that way in, in our culture today, because that's not something that's, that's common. Well, it's probably a whole lot more common than we realize, but um, it's just not how we think. When the Bible's talking about these are slaves, these are, how can you serve two masters? And, and, and you know, how can, how can a slave have two masters? He, he really can't, can he? So Jesus is using this analogy to talk to us about the things that we treasure, the things that we do. When I was in the Air Force, I was pretty good at my job. In fact, I was real good at my job. But I was a little frustrated in that it didn't matter how good I was at my job. I wasn't going to get paid any more than the next guy. In fact, I was so good at my job that there were some guys that weren't good at their job and they didn't have to work so hard because you didn't want them messing up anything. So you put them in, they had little places where they put them. And you know what those guys did all day? They studied. And they passed the test for, for getting a promotion a lot of times quicker than the guys that knew how to do the work. So that kind of bugged me. I said, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go do something where I can make a lot of money. Where the harder I work, the more money I make. So I got out and, and I did construction for a little bit until an opening came with a sporting goods company. And, and I worked real hard in that sporting goods company and I made lots of money and I spent lots of money. And... Also during that time, I had received Christ as my Savior. After I got out of the Air Force, it was, it was about a month after I got out, I received Christ as my Savior. And I was trying to figure this whole thing out about walking with the Lord, too. And I realized that I, like, I tried to, to, to walk the fence or, or straddle the fence. 
You know, I, I tried to walk, well, one way and then the other way, and I wanted to be, I, I wanted all the benefits of, of following the Lord and all the benefits of, of living in the world, and I wanted it all to come together, and I basically I could do whatever I wanted to do, and God say, that's okay. Y'all ever try that? Don't. It doesn't work very well. And if you're doing that, stop. Because you can't serve two masters. You, you, you just can't. So you, can't, you have a, make a choice. Are you going to build an earthly kingdom for yourself? Or are you going to serve the Lord? Let me look at a few things this morning. Maybe help us choose Christ as our master. Why we really ought to do that. Number one is the depreciation of earthly goods. You'll notice that. There's a... Y'all ever bought a car? Okay. You know you lose a lot of money when you buy a new car real fast. It's called depreciation. Real fast. Look what the Bible says. Notice this. This is a negative command. Jesus is telling, <laughs> telling us, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. And that about what we get today. You think about the stuff that we invest. Now, back in, in New Testament times, your wealth was measured in clothing. Most of them didn't have a lot of clothes. It's not like going in my wife's closet and she's not in here. <laughs> or my closet. I got all sorts of clothes I never wear. I probably ought to get rid of those things, huh? Wealth was measured by clothing in the Old Testament in the New Testament and the Old Testament. That's why you see and you hear all those stories about they were given 10 changes of garments. That was wealth. The other way to measure wealth was, was precious metals. And what happens to precious metals? Well, it rusts. Well, you say, well, silver doesn't rust and gold doesn't rust. Well, it corrodes away. More than that, you, 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 they didn't have real good banks in those days, so they wrap their stuff up and bury it. Because if they kept in the house, a thief might come in and steal it. You know how violated you feel when you get your stuff stolen? You know how violated we felt when we had our, our we had the break-in in the back building and, and stuff was stolen? So what are you going to invest in? There's a depreciation. It just falls apart. If our heart loves material things and puts earthly gain above heavenly investments, then the result can be really nothing but a tragic loss. The treasures of earth may be used for God, but if we gather that material for us, for ourselves, we'll, we're going to lose them. And we'll lose our hearts with them. Instead of a spiritual enrichment, will experience an impoverishment. When Jesus was talking to these about this, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious rulers were there, and, and those guys were using all of this stuff to get more power and more money. I guess that's been a problem a long time. Preachers getting making too much money. 
this religious crowd were all about making money and, and gaining power. And Jesus is saying, don't lay up your treasures here. What is going to happen to it? My sister called me yesterday, said that she was going through some chest, and she found my father's baseball uniform. My father played baseball over at Hardy High. And she goes, do you want that? Okay, I got his Letterman sweater. I might as well do that. She said, well, you know, you, you got grandsons and, and you're going to have more grandsons and, and, and you got Hardys and I'm not a Hardy anymore. I'm, okay, I got it. I have no idea what type of shape that, that baseball uniform is going to be in. I know what type of shape his Letterman sweater was in. It's got all sorts of holes and stuff, but it does still have the H from Hardy. You can appreciate that. You're probably the soda bulldog, though, aren't you? How much stuff do you have that just rots and goes away? We invest so much in things that are temporary. And Jesus is telling us here, quit doing that. Quit doing that. It's just going to all go away. Not only does things depreciate, well, I can tell you a new car story if you want, just to give you an idea. By the way, I sold cars to get through Bible college. Even sold a couple teachers' cars. Eh, that was fun. I, I sold Mazdas, and in 1986, Mazda came out with a new RX-7, a new body style. Kind of looked like a Porsche, and, and they had a turbo and uh, we had, I got to sell the first one. When this thing came to the, to the lot, now, you guys may not know this, but, but car dealers add extra stuff to the, to, to the sticker. I mean, the sticker was like, I don't know, $19,000, $20,000. And then they add stuff like impact fees, dealer prep. <laughs> the dealership I worked for was really bold. They had a thing called ADP. Additional dealer profit. <laughs> I got to sell that first RX-7, and I sold it for about $4,000 above sticker price. You'd think I'd get a great commission, but no, they had lot fees that, the, the, that came out of the salesman's portion of the profit, and salesman didn't make that much anyway. The dealer made all that profit. But that 86 RX-7 that that guy spent so much money on above what it even cost, you know that thing's probably now not worth $1,000, $1,500 if it's even still on the road. You see, it just went away. So Jesus is saying, don't invest in things that are going to depreciate. There's a positive command in verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. We'll get back to that. There's another problem with this serving two masters or, 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 or trying to gain wealth for ourselves and, and, and not taking God's perspective and, and uh, not looking for God's perspective. It distorts our vision. Matthew 6, 22, The light of the body is in the eye, and therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. 
But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? When you see Jesus talking about a single eye, he's talking about a, a healthy eye versus, you know, it's a single or a healthy eye versus a bad eye. In those days, many people thought that light came out of the eyes. But Jesus understood that light comes into the eyes. So if you have a single eye or a good eye, you have a lot of light flowing into you. You have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of, uh, you're seeing the world from God's point of view. But you, what happens when you get cataracts? You don't get as much light in. You don't get to see so well. Everything's out of focus. This is what Jesus is trying to explain to us. Is that when we get our eyes off of the light, off of him, off of those things that laying up treasures in heaven and on to the things of this earth, that evil eye or that bad eye almost, is, almost becomes stinginess. If our aim in life is to get material gain, it means there's going to be a darkness within. But if our outlook is to serve and glorify God, there will be light within. If what should be light is really darkness, then we are being controlled by darkness and outlook, our outlook determines our outcome. Have you ever really worked hard to get something? And then you worked so hard, you saved, you scrimped, you did, and then when you got it, you found out, no big deal. I mean, I really wanted this. And then you get it, and you sweat, and you and you find out it didn't bring you any more satisfaction than what you had before. I know. Uh, there was a time I thought, man, if we just had a VCR, our life would be so good if we had a VCR. And I got to tell you, it did help with the kids because you could plug in a tape and they would... Now kids don't plug in tapes. You hand them a phone and they get going and watch all sorts of stuff. But I thought, if I just had... I got the VCR. I needed a, I needed a, a, a DVD player. Now you don't even need that. You just need to have internet. You see, you can work hard. You can focus. You can get riches. You can gain so much, but lose so much. How many really wealthy people do you know that are really happy. I don't know, I'd like to try and have a lot of money just to see what that's like. Here, here's really where it comes down. We just can't serve two lords. No man can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. Again, masters don't share slaves. That divided their interest. Mammon is the word used for, for gaining earthly goods or for money. It, it's Aramaic. It means possessions or money. And Jesus seems to be showing that that mammon 
is, is a, uh, an idol. It's really a, an ancient figure of speech. You see, materialism can enslave us. Always going out to get stuff. Always. Now look, I, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. We need to work hard. We need to achieve. We need to, to take care of ourselves. We need to be good stewards of what God gives us. We need to, to earn our money. But when that's what drives you, it's very difficult to serve Jesus. I read not too long ago where Wayne Huizenga died. You got anybody, y'all know who he is? A couple of you. Yeah, he, he, he was a very wealthy man. Uh, had owned waste management. Owned a football team. Uh, owned a lot of stuff. I saw a video of him talking about how much he had. He had every, he, in fact, he got to go on some nuclear submarine because he was rich and he knew somebody. You know, he had all these things, but he said his life was miserable. He had it all. And one day he met Jesus Christ. His whole life turned around. He started becoming very generous. His whole life from that point on was meant to glorify God. To give back to God. See, he found true happiness was serving the one Lord. The real Lord. True happiness was found in laying up treasures above. So, this morning, as we come here, okay, Pastor, I got all this. We've heard this stuff a lot of times. But how do we do this? How do we choose Christ as our master? And that's really what we have to do. Let me give you three things, and let's kind of talk through this on how we can choose Christ as our master. Number one, you have to establish who your Lord is. Remember Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me start there. You want to know what's most important in your life? Look at your checkbook. Look at your checkbook register. See what you're spending all your money on. That'll tell you real quickly what's important. Since he'll tell you that in our checkbook, Publix is very important. <laughs> That's my favorite place to go to. I buy food to feed her and me. Food's an important thing. I, probably the next thing is Sam's for her gas, and she has a place to get gas. And, well, before any of that starts coming out, you can look at our giving comes here. So we have to choose, we have to establish who our Lord is. Is our Lord public? Is our Lord the Lord Jesus? Who is your Lord? Is your, you, you can't serve two masters because you're going to hate one and, and love the other or you will hold on to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't dedicate your life to, the, the, to gaining wealth, to the, the pursuit of wealth, and still have God as your master. You can dedicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and achieve wealth. 
but you have to decide who your master is. I was telling you that, that I got out of the Air Force and I got the job with the sporting goods company and I kind of walked that line and walked that line and for about three and a half years, well, I didn't walk the line after very long. I fell back into the old ways, the fleshly ways, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of satisfying the flesh. Couldn't serve God that way. We have a gracious God, by the way. He's so good to us. He started bringing some things into my life to get my attention, and he finally got my attention, and there was a day that I said, God, I am yours. You are my Lord. Whatever you want, I will do. I think churches are full of people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're so very happy about that. And, and they, they, will, they, they attend churches in good ways, they, they are faithful in, in, in church, but their real Lord, their real passion is not the Lord Jesus, it's something else. If you're here this morning, you've got to decide who is your Lord. Is it, your, is it your job? I know we live in a community where many of you are retired, so that's probably not it. Is it your grandchildren? Is it your children? What is Lord of life? What controls your life? Let me tell you. He. Establish who your Lord is. Who is the Lord of your life? And secondly, as we choose Jesus as our master, we need to have a clear focus on the things that are important to your Lord. We talked about the light of the body, the eyes, what, but what is it? What is it that's important to Jesus? Have you ever thought through that at all? I can tell you what's important to Jesus. You are. People are. He, he, he came, lived a perfect life, he gave himself. He rose again. He paid the penalty for all of our wrongdoing because we're important to him. So if we want to have a clear vision, if we want to be able to establish Christ our Lord, then, then what's important to him it needs to be important to us. So people need to be important to us. Other people right here within this room, we need to be important to each other. One of the first things God did when he created this world is he created man, then he created a woman, and he put them together. He created a family. Family is important to the Lord. Family is important to the Lord. The church is important the Lord. I'm not talking about the building, though God has given us some great facilities and we need to take care of them because it's important that we take care of what God gives us, right? But us, this group of people, are important to the Lord. And you know what else? Those people that are out there, they're important to the Lord. And, and they, he's asked us, no, no, wait, 
He's not asked us. He's told us. He's commanded us to go out and tell all these people that he loves about his love. About how he loves them so much that he gave himself for them. And how that if they would call upon him, they would believe in him and, and call on him that he would forgive their sins and give them eternal life. He's got a gift waiting for them. They just don't know they have the gift. All they have to do is take the gift. We just have to be the ones to share the gift. What's important to the Lord? James says that, that, that widows and orphans are important to the Lord. I'll be interested tonight to see how many people are, are over the next week, how many people are interested in going out and, and sharing with others at the block party. Because you know what? That's important to the Lord. It's important to the Lord to, to, to love on people. It's important to the Lord that we love him. And how can we love him if we're distracted by other things? If Christ is to be our Lord, we have to establish who the Lord is in our life. Then we have to determine what's important to that Lord. And then lastly, we have to invest Invest your time, talent, and treasure in those things that are important to the Lord. Look at this positive command in Matthew 6, 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What does it mean to lay up treasure in heaven? It means to use all that we have for the glory of God. It means to hang loose when it comes to the material things of life. It also means measuring life by true riches of the kingdom and not by the false riches of this world. I, I got a friend named Lee. Leah. Uh, we went to Bible college together. He ministered in churches for a while, and then some things happened in his life, and he got out of church for a while. He was a great salesman. He, made, he got out, started working secretary, made a couple million dollars. He's really that good of a salesman. Um, and his wife, um, who also went to, we went to school with, um, she got pancreatic cancer, and she encouraged him to get back into ministry, and he did. And he had a big house up and has a big house up in Landa Lakes. And, and just in the last couple of weeks, he has moved into some apartments with his uh, new wife. Um, and the University Mall section of Tampa, y'all familiar with that area? It's not real nice. In fact, he's moved into a ghetto. And he is so happy right now. Why? Because he's investing in the things that the Lord invests in. He's giving his time. He's giving all his talents. He's giving uh, 
all that he has to minister to people that God loves in this it's a very strange neighborhood. There's people from all over the world in that little neighborhood. And I've never seen him more at peace and more joyful than being able to do that. You see, he, he understands what it is to go after the earthly riches. But now he's laying treasures in heaven. I get little notes from him. Hey, I talked to this lady the other day. We talked, we prayed, she asked Christ in her heart. She's coming into our house and we're doing Bible study together. Kids are coming to know Christ. People are coming to know Christ. Lives are being transformed. See, when we invest our time and talents and treasure in these things, we are going to have a heavenly reward. Bible does explain to us that we will stand before Christ one day. The great thing about when we stand before Christ is we don't have to stand there as a believer. We're not going to answer for any of our sins. That's a great thing to know. We are going to stand and he's going to reward us. That's where these treasures that we're laying up will come back to us. And when he, as he rewards us, we will be able to take those rewards and lay them back at his feet. Oh man, several years ago there was a missionary song. Our song was played by missionaries. And uh, it was played all the time. Um, Thank you for giving to the Lord. Yeah, they just, all the time it was played. And, you know, there's these pictures of where you gave to a missionary and there's people going to run up to you in heaven and, 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 and say, listen, because you gave that, I'm here. It was a, man, every missionary I know used that song. It was a heart puller. But there's a lot of truth there. The things that you invest, when you invest your time, when you invest your talents, when you invest your treasures in the things that are important to the Lord, there's going to be great reward. There will be people coming to you. Hey, you know, you don't realize this, but you gave to somebody you gave to the, one of these kids, and they went to the Bahamas, and, and they led me to the Lord, and I'm here because you helped that kid get to Bahamas. You went to an elementary school, and you, you uh, taught me Bible. And you know, later God called me to preach, and, and, and I went out, and I, I, I've had the opportunity to lead many people to the Lord because you took the time to to teach me. Lay up treasures in heaven. Give you guys an opportunity. Uh, Rick Schusler, our missionary to Caribbean, needs about 10 to 20 people to go to Jamaica and teach VBS in the first week of August. I'm torn. I really want to go to Jamaica, but my grandson's supposed to be born that week. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. There's an opportunity to invest a little bit of money and a little bit of time and lay up treasure in heaven. You don't have to be a teenager. I think everyone here can go do this. If you're interested, let me know. Here's the thing. Who's your master? 
Are you here to serve money, pleasure? Are you going to serve the risen Savior? That's the question. Once you make that decision, when you choose Christ, all other things will line up. And you'll receive reward that you can never imagine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.